Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of Up in Flames. I'm your host, but more importantly, your advocate, Abby Bolt. Today we're going to talk about where do you stand as a bystander? You might be wondering, what is a bystander? The bystander effect or the bystander apathy is actually a social psychological phenomenon in which individuals are less likely to offer help to a victim when other people are present. The greater the number of bystanders, the less likely it is that one of them will help. Several factors contribute to the bystander effect, including ambiguity, group cohesiveness, and diffusion of responsibility that reinforces mutual denial of the situation's severity. One of the most notable cases was the murder of Kitty Genevieve. In that case that originally stimulated the social psychological research into the bystander effect, on March 13, 1964, she was stabbed, sexually assaulted, and murdered while walking home from work at 3 a.m. in Queens. According to a really blown-up article in the New York Times, 38 witnesses watched the stabbings but did not intervene or even call the police until after the attacker fled and she died. The shocking account drew widespread public attention in many newspaper articles. Psychological researchers attributed the lack of help by witnesses to diffusion of responsibility because each witness saw others witnessing the same event. They just assumed that the others would be taking responsibility and calling the police. Therefore, they didn't do anything to stop the situation themselves. If you've ever trained in, let's say, CPR, what's the first thing that they tell you? What is the first thing you have to hammer into a human's head in order to save a life? Get help. Call 911. It seems so rudimentary that we have to, in an emergency situation, tell people, okay, stop everything you're doing and get help. But look at right here how fast... It can go bad with how many people. Everybody just assumes somebody else is doing something. Now, this article that greatly blew the situation out of proportion, it turned out that there were actually far fewer witnesses than 38, and the police were called at least one time during the attack. And many of the bystanders could overhear the attack but couldn't actually see it happening. The New York Times admitted that it had originally grossly exaggerated the story. The problem is, is that it is continually to this day, misrepresented in social psychological textbooks. So the bystander effect piece really is skewed all over the place because of stories like this. Was there a major bystander issue where people did not act? Yes, absolutely. And that's the bottom line. Another significant story was in 98 when Larry Freustad posted a confession that he murdered his five-year-old daughter on an official email list. Freustad claimed that he had intentionally set his Bowman, North Dakota home on fire in 95, while his daughter Amanda was asleep inside. Three of the approximately 200 members of the email list, three of 200, reported the confession to legal authorities. The incident has been studied as an online version of the bystander effect. There were many different responses to his email. Some reported him to authorities, some said it was a long time ago and didn't mind it, and some said that he was fantasizing all of this as a result of feeling guilty over his divorce. From this example, though, it can be seen that through online communication, a physical and psychological barrier is created, and that causes people to just flat out forget their responsibilities. The next notable situation was on Memorial Day in 2011. A 53-year-old man from California walked into the waters of Robert Crown Memorial Beach and stood neck deep in water 150 yards offshore for almost an hour. His foster mother, Dolores, called 911 and said that he was trying to drown himself. Now, there are many conflicting reports about his intentions. Firefighters and police responded but did not enter the water. The firefighters called for the Coast Guard boat to respond. 
According to police reports, Alameda police expected the firefighters to enter the water. Firefighters later said that they didn't have current training and certifications to perform land-based water rescue. Dozens of civilians on the beach and watching them from their homes from the beach did not enter the water, apparently expecting public safety officers to conduct a rescue. Eventually, Zach collapsed in the water, apparently from hypothermia. Even then, nobody entered the water for several minutes, even after he was down and under. Finally, a good Samaritan entered the water and pulled Zach to shore. Zach died afterwards at a local hospital. Now, one of the worst and most historical situations from the bystander effect is the Holocaust. This genocide that occurred during World War II is one of the biggest examples of bystander effect on a mass scale. We sometimes think of the bystander effect as applying to not only one individual, where one individual needs assistance and bystanders expect another bystander to help. However, this can actually apply on a bigger scale with multiple victims. When Nazi officers were on trial, they pleaded that if the Holocaust was as terrible as everyone said, then someone else must have known about it. Near the concentration camps, there were several villages. They knew what was going on inside. When the Allies got to the camps, they accused those nearby villages of making no attempt to save the people in the camps. The Allies were so angered that these nearby villages were waiting for someone else to come in and save those people. As a result, they forced these populations to clean up the corpses from the camps and bury them in mass graves as punishment for falling victim to this bystander effect. Now, why am I bringing this to your attention? Why am I bringing up these extreme examples of the bystander effect? No, this isn't, it isn't that extreme in our jobs. Or is it? In an earlier episode, I talked about how a toxic work environment can actually be deadly. Because when you have those high-risk careers, there are situations where if you can't trust that someone's going to do the right thing, you could certainly fall victim to a safety issue and die. Now, what about those other issues that seem a little more micro? What about the bullying, the mobbing? Do those fall under this whole bystander nightmare? Does it have to be an emergency situation for it to a bystander issue? Of course not. I mean, it could be as simple as you're watching someone get picked on in the office or you're watching someone be undermined or you're reading inappropriate emails. You know, some, something as simple as like I had um, a couple of employees who would have my back. They would see that I was left off of really important emails that were intended to undermine me and make me look incompetent as a supervisor because I just wouldn't have the information. Not everybody else would know that. They would think that I just wasn't doing my job, but it turned out those emails I was left off of. So some of my employees got to the point where they would recognize that, then they would forward me the email and let me know what was going on, and they saw it, and they would say, hey, it looks like they're at it again, and made sure to leave you off of this. So to me, that was solid bystander behavior. They didn't have to be in an emergency situation. They didn't have to be doing anything crazy and official about it, but they were near me, and they let me know what they're observing in order to help me make things better. But then that also helped me call people to the table on it later because I was able to say, like, look, here's some examples of where my employees are saying, hey, your bosses are doing wrong to you. Watch out. Here you go. Here's the info so that they don't get away with it. But those were just the ones that people caught. How many people didn't catch on to? It's hard to know because I was left out of it. This included emails, text messages, everything. So we're just talking about like basic communication stuff. That happens all the time. If you see that happening to someone else, you let them know. You take care of them. You help them 
help themselves because it's just not fair. It doesn't have to be somebody's getting murdered or assaulted or dying in the water. It can be as simple as in the office behavior in toxic environments. But it definitely takes the moral courage and fortitude to do something about that because what's easy? Easy is walking away from the situation, closing your email, uh, you know, going to bed at night knowing that these things are going on and being okay with it. If you're okay with it, you're a part of it. Like it or not, you're a part of it. It's just how it is. Now, I some here's another example of something that I can't help because I feel wrong if I don't. So if I'm going down the road and I see an accident, there's a collision, and I can tell who caused that collision. I can tell that somebody was in the wrong. And I'm not even talking about the piece where I pull over to help, where we need to pull over to help people. There's that. But I'm talking about if you see someone that was in an accident and you see what happened that could help them solve that or tell the police that, hey, this is what happened. This is what I saw. This is what I witnessed. Is it worth it for you to take the time out of your day, pull over, wait, give your information? It's not a simple thing to do. It, it takes time and it takes time out of your life. But is it the right thing to do? Yes, it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Now, of course, there are situations where you need to watch out for yourself. Self-preservation does factor into these things. Let's say another example to make it real on the highway. If you see an accident happen and they need help, but by you getting out and helping, you put yourself in far more danger or your family in far more danger. Like let's say it's on just an insane highway on a big freeway. And by you getting out, stopping the car, putting your family in danger, going out without any safety precautions, I get you need to weigh those options and decide if that's something you're going to slow down for or not. Are you just going to cause more problems by stopping? That's a thing too. So like all these metaphors we can take from life and wrap them right back in to the workplace and moral courage and the bystander effect and doing the right thing. Now what I have found in my workplace is with people, it is so much easier to be a part of the group who laughs and makes fun of a situation or fun of somebody that's dealing with something. Now there's two ways to look at it. You could be responsible ethically to yourself to where you can't sleep at night because you didn't do the right thing. Or you could actually be legally liable for not doing the right thing. Now, they just arrested the man who did not act in a recent school shooting. Was this going to eat this guy's heart up for the rest of his life? Probably. But it legally ate him up. Let me just give you part of the news story so that you can uh, remember what it is that I'm talking about. A former Florida sheriff's deputy was arrested on felony charges over his handling of the deadly mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland last year. The county sheriff officer, Deputy Scott Peterson, 56, was terminated from his position and charged with multiple counts of child neglect after an internal investigation found that he retreated while students under attack in the February 2018 shooting that left 17 people dead. Again, this is a, a really exaggerated example of the bystander effect. This man not only had a duty to act because he had a sworn duty with his badge to act to protect the people, but notice he didn't just get in trouble for not doing his job. They hammered him with child neglect. I mean, just doing the wrong thing as an adult. What if at work people got in trouble for not doing anything? What would that change? Would that cause some people to speak up maybe a little more often? 
for some people to maybe do the right thing because they know that people watching them and observing are responsible to do something about it. What's really sad is is in my federal agency, they hadn't even, they, they made a zero tolerance policy for many things. So they made this policy and then several managers didn't follow the policy as written and they didn't get in trouble for it. So they were, as managers, they were mandatory reporters. They were supposed to report certain things that happened. And this is all just like recent that this report came out to talk about this. So people had a mandatory responsibility to report something. So let's say me as a supervisor, I know that so-and-so sexually harassed so-and-so. It's been reported to me. I know about it. Either the victim told me or a bystander told me. I now have a duty to report that because of our zero tolerance policy. Well, I don't do it, or I don't believe it, or for whatever reason, I decide not to. And it goes on, and it gets found out, and it comes out a report, or someone found out that I didn't say anything, and then they kind of forgot to write in the policy what would happen if you didn't do it. Zero tolerance, but if you don't do it, we don't know how to get you in trouble. That to me is like creating a law that you can't commit murder but then forgetting to explain what's going to happen if you do. And that's what they that's how they got away with doing this. And I don't know how many federal agencies or employers are actually getting away with this like, "Oh, sorry, we just forgot to write what the discipline would be." So we just blew it off. Are you kidding me? Then you know what? Retroactively go back and pick up where you left off on the discipline as far as I'm concerned. And I don't think that it should just be supervisors that have to be responsible for this. I think any peers that know something's going on, if they're not like internally, their values don't push them to do something about it, then I think that we need to have, I guess, policy. Agencies need to have policy. Employers need to have policy that make people feel a little more obligated to do the right thing. Isn't that sad that in this day and age, like we can't we can't expect people to do the right thing. Not in this day and age. I mean, who are we kidding? It's just human behavior. We can't expect them to do the right thing. So we have to write laws or policies that say, like, you will do X, Y, and Z. It's just, it's really sad. But that is, that's where we're at. So my challenge to you guys is to start thinking about in your life, where are you a bystander? What are you standing by? What are you witnessing? What are you seeing? Not just in the workplace, but in your life. We need to all reflect back on our lives. Like, I know that I don't always do it perfectly. I know that things might happen and I'm like, okay, I just can't get involved in that right now. Or, I mean, that happens and I get that. And experiencing it now as someone who needed people to speak up for me and people either wouldn't because they were scared or because they just didn't want to get involved, you know, feeling what that feels like just as with the few things that I dealt with, I couldn't imagine dealing with like a really severe crime and nobody being willing to step up for me. But I want us to all look into our lives and not only live better by those values and be a better bystander, be a more trustworthy bystander, but encourage those around you to do better and be better. Talk about it at work. Talk about it in your life. Talk about all these situations where maybe you guys are seeing something and you're not saying something. If you see something, say something. It's so important to do that. And we just need to find our way back there. We need to find our way to where that is the important thing to do. That is the value in your life and in your workplace to where you're willing to do what it takes to deal with the report, to deal with the investigation because it's the right thing to do. 
So that's my challenge to you. I want to know where you guys can can improve that in your lives. I would love to hear some stories from you guys of maybe where you were a good bystander or where you saw someone else be a great bystander. Let's change this bystander effect to be how we're better bystanders. Let's get the stories to be who stood up for who, who did the right thing. I know those stories are out there all the time. There are little micro hero stories, but we just hear about like the horrible times where no one stood up for someone else. If someone bullies my little boy at school, I want someone to tell me about it. I want someone to tell the teacher about it. I want someone to do the right thing, not help the bully cover it up. So let's get it to where that's what's happening in the workplace too. I am looking forward to hearing from you. Please be sure to email me at abby at upinflames.org if you have any questions, you're looking for different resources, there's anything I can possibly help you with. And if you like what I'm doing here and you support my cause and you want to help me keep going or just you want to be a part of something good, become a patron. Go check out patreon.com slash podcast and help me out. There I'll be sharing a lot of different behind the scenes information. Episodes will be coming out early there for you guys. And it's just going to be a whole great community. So go check it out. Go to Patreon and check out Up in Flames podcast. Now, go forth. Do good. Choose the hard right over easy wrong. And I'll be talking to you guys soon.